guys, I am so excited to be here with you guys tonight. Can I tell you something? I have been praying for you. I didn't know who would be here, what you would look like, and it didn't matter. The Holy Spirit knew who was going to come, and he knew he had a word for you. And I have been praying specifically for you guys. And actually, my super cute family has been too. So if we want to um, throw them up there, and for everybody watching online, this is my crew. Okay, honesty, um, full disclosure, this is like two years old. I'm like the worst at family pictures. So picture everybody a little bit older. Those boys are actually in junior high now. And my daughter, hallelujah, is eight. Um, so yeah, that's my hubby. We've been serving in full-time ministry together for about 15 years. And my daughter, hallelujah, she said two things. One, she said, Mom, I hope your speech goes well. That's what she calls it. I'm like, okay. And then she says, as she was praying over you, I love this. She said, God, I pray that they know, each person there knows that you have a word for them. And that's what, as my daughter, hallelujah, she is expectant as I am for you. But before we can receive the word God has for us, we have to do something on our part. So I just want to ask right now, if every single one of us in the room, because distractions, anxieties, I mean, the family's fine, everybody, everything's fine, right? Oh, by the way, I was going to tell you before we get to the serious stuff. Um, so in Colorado, they're doing this thing called school at home. Oh my gosh. So I have so much more respect and like honor for the homeschool moms that are called and anointed to do that. My kids have figured out that's not me. Like, oh my goodness. So my two junior high boys are most of the time school at home. And so they started coming with their math homework, seventh grade math homework. Does anybody feel me right now? Because I'm like, I don't recognize this stuff. So he's like, mom, what is this? And I'm like, I don't even know what that symbol is. Like that didn't exist, I don't think, back then, right? So now they just bypass me and go straight to their dad. And I'm like, yes, you know what I mean? It's working out. So pray for us, okay? But if we wanna receive what God has for us tonight, I wanna ask us to get rid of all the distractions and just as a physical demonstration of what we want God to do in our heart, can I ask that you would just extend your hands out right now to the Lord as we pray. God, we have our arms and our hands extended out to you where we are asking not only to receive, but we are asking you to take whatever is in our way. We are asking you to take the distractions, to take the anxiety, to take the stress, to take the anger, to take the frustration, God. And we want to receive as convicting as it is, as challenging, as healing as it is, whatever you have for every heart in this room, have your way, God, please come and move. We want to receive in Jesus name. Amen. So um, I want my helper to come up. Come on, Anna. Come on up. Can you give her a little round of applause? So I have just a super, like, simple um, illustration for you. All right, will you pour it half? Like, I have to be careful how I say this, because otherwise it'll ruin it. Just pour it half <laughs> into the cup, okay? So there are two ways to look at something, right? I think you know where this is going. There's two ways, and yeah, that's pretty good. So how many, if you wanna hold this up for everybody and online, um, how many of you guys would say this is half empty? Wow, nobody? Well, this one person maybe back there? Okay, a couple, all right. And how many would say it's half full? 
Okay, awesome, thank you. I wouldn't drink that, I drink part of it, so. You're okay, okay. <laughs> thank you so much. So, in let's a super, like, simple way to demonstrate, we can all look at the same thing, like the same physical measurement, and look at it and speak, communicate about it differently. Now, it doesn't change the amount of water in there, but in life, in life, we can take a circumstance or a situation, and we can look at it and come at it from two different perspectives, and the way we look at it, the way we think about it and speak into it, absolutely affects how we act on it and the different outcomes in our life. Absolutely. So let me say it like this, okay? Because this is kind of a lot of words, but it's going to be up on the screen. The way we look at things affects our thoughts. All right, I'm a hand motion, so feel free to do it with me. The way we look at things affects our thoughts, which affect our words, which affect our actions. So I know that's a lot. So basically like this, what we think about affects what we say. And what we say affects what we do. And so we're going to break this down in real practical ways tonight. But if we want, the reason we're here tonight, if we want to speak life into our marriages, into our families, into our callings, into our futures, into our children, if we want to speak life, we need to first recognize a couple things. First, where they come from, where they flow from, and then two, we need to recognize the incredible power that our words have, that we don't give it the credit that it's due. So um, Proverbs 18:21 says this, the tongue has the power. If you have your Bible or you're highlighting it on you version, circle this, whatever. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Listen, it's not talking about you know, life and death like this. What it is talking about is what are you speaking into your marriage? Because that will lead to the death of trust or it could lead to life of intimacy. You know, what are you speaking? What am I speaking into my kids? Because that could lead to death and discouragement and disappointment or what I'm speaking in could lead toward life and hope and healing. What are we speaking where is it flowing from? And do you recognize the incredible power that it has? We are so flippant in this culture with what we say. We're so flippant and we react so much that we don't recognize and stop and realize how powerful our words are. God says in the tongue with our words, ladies, is the power of life and death. We need to take this seriously. So I... Um, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and how this applies to this whole concept right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now, before we go any further, I want to tell you something. If you don't feel like you're in a war right now, then maybe the enemy's greatest tactic is getting us to be so comfortable and so sleepy that we're not even fighting anymore because we are in a war. We're in a war for everything we hold dear and you better believe the enemy is out to still kill and destroy the purposes that God has for us. Let's continue reading on. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everybody say divine power to demolish 
strongholds. Listen to this, somebody. If there is an addiction, if there is a stronghold in somebody's life, we have divine power in Christ to fight back. All right, so we have divine power. It's coming back up, that verse. Ready? Okay. We, I didn't memorize all of it. To demolish strongholds, next verse. We demolish arguments, every petition, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we what? Take captive, take prisoner every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Some of us need to start fighting back before we can speak life. We've got to put a gatekeeper in our minds and start watching and be evaluating what we are thinking about. So we cannot just let our minds run wild. I mean, we can. It happens all the time, right? But we're not supposed to. It can mess us up. So one of my really good friends in Colorado, her name is Kelsey, and um, she said her counselor explained it like this, which I just want to side note, let you know, going to see a counselor is an incredibly healthy thing to do. So don't let anyone shame you. Don't shame yourself. Going and seeing marriage counseling um, last year, me and my hubby, yep, as pastors, we went to marriage counseling. It's important. It's healthy, right? Side note. But anyways, her counselor explained it like this, and I just want to share it with you guys. When we're talking about our thoughts, starting the fight here. So it's just this analogy will stick with you. So pretend your mind is, picture it like... Um, a runway, all right? Your mind's a runway. And we each need to make sure we have an air traffic controller, also AKA the Holy Spirit, um, in our mind. And we need to decide what we allow to land in our mind. Now there's dark planes and there's light planes. We know where the dark planes come from. Those planes that wanna land and tear us down or tear somebody else down, the discouragement, the lies from the enemy, all of those dark planes. Is there anybody in your mind deciding who can and who cannot land? Have you, do we even stop and evaluate it? Just because a thought comes doesn't mean it has the right to land in our minds. It is time for us to put a little air traffic control person <laughs> to create an awareness to say, I have got to get these dark planes off of my runway because what I think about affects what I speak about and what I speak about affects my life. So if darkness is coming in, I'm going to speak it out and then I'm going to act it out, right? But how do we filter that, right? Well, this verse is a really good guide. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Think about this with dark planes and light planes. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, is it true? Is it truth? Whatever is noble, is it honorable, this thought coming in? Whatever is right, whatever is pure, is this thought pure about me, about my family, about somebody else? Is it lovely? I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful word. We let a lot of planes land that are not lovely, are they? They should not be landing on our runway. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, sisters, think about these things because if we're gonna think about it, we're gonna speak about it. And if it's not one of those things, if it's not gonna leave, lead your families, your relationships, even your own self towards life, towards healing, towards, towards redemption, it has no business landing in your mind. We have got to take back the runway of our mind. You and I are given 
by the Spirit, power, self-control, and a sound mind. It is time that we start fighting back. So there's a couple things that we kind of need to establish. And this next one, I'm going to warn you, it might be a little confusing, but I'm going to break it down for you. Facts aren't the same thing as truth. So if you're like thinking about, you know, protecting your mind, facts aren't the same thing as truth. Now I'm going to tell you a personal story. Um, a couple years ago, my husband and I and our family, we were at a great church and honestly, um, just natural progression of life. We were in financial security. We were comfortable. Everything was going great. And then um, God called my husband, which I was like, what? What is happening? God called my husband and I um, to help move and um, to move and help a struggling church plant in Colorado Springs. And so along the way, along our journey, as God had blessed us, um, we decided every time he gives us an increase, um, we want to be able to increase our giving, right? And so, um, sorry, my hair is blown all the way around in this wonderful fan. Um, so anyways, I'm just going to do that. Um, my brother, which Transformation Church um, supports, he has a missions organization. And so we had committed on top of our tithe, we were going to sacrificially, well, actually, let's just be honest, when you're in financial security, it's not that huge of a sacrifice. But every time we had decided we were going to give a little more and a little more, right? Well, all of a sudden, things changed. We went from pretty secure, you know, few in the bank, whatever, to oh my goodness, cost of living shot up, our salary shot down, um, and we ended up $1,000 in our, between our checkings and our savings, and the facts about the situation was we had $1,000 and like three dollars to $5,000 worth of bills coming up. That was the facts of the situation. And if I was to look at the facts of the situation, as my husband and I hadn't been here in years and years, we started speaking into the situation saying, am I gonna have to make a really difficult phone call to my brother and say we can no longer honor our commitments to sponsor the poor because we can't even pay our own bills. We were in a tough situation because you can look at the facts of the situation or as God moved in our hearts, he said, Nicole, that may be the facts, but that's not the truth of the situation. The truth of the situation is you've got a thousand dollars and you've got Jehovah Jireh, God Almighty, who provides for your every need on your side. So even if it doesn't make sense. These verses came to my mind. Um, Philippians 4, 19. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. That's the truth of the situation. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You will be enriched. Listen, we had to claim this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So when we were crazy broke, we couldn't pay our bills. We could look at the facts of the situation and speak into it this way and decide to not be faithful. Or we could look at the truth of the situation that, yeah, this is still the facts. It may not change the amount we have, but the truth is my God will provide. He's more than enough and boy did he boy did he so you need to ask yourself when you're looking at your life am I looking at the facts 
or am I seeing it through the truth? There are two examples from scripture that I just want to share with you and encourage you with. The first one, I'm just going to paraphrase real quick because you guys know this story. You know, there was like thousands of people listening to Jesus and um, they needed some food, right? Um, because they were hungry. Like It's like after uh, Easter, so many services, everybody's like, we're so hungry, right? Well, it was like this probably times 10. And so um, the Bible says, when Jesus looked up and saw a, a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Check this out. He asked this only to test him for he, al he already had in mind what he was going to do. If that doesn't speak to somebody, sometimes God already knows what he's going to do, but he's just testing us to see what we're looking at, right? And so they're like, you know, it would take a year's wages to buy everybody just a little bite. So what are we going to do? And then one of the disciples brought, what'd they bring? Five barley loaves and two small fish. But then he says, how far will these go among so many? Like, what, what can God even do with this? And I just want to speak to the places in your life right now where you feel like you only have this much. This is all you have, and you don't have enough. And I want to say, is that the facts of the situation, or is that the truth of the situation? Because the facts were they only had, right, the loaves and the fishes. But the truth is, God could work any miracle and feed the thousands through it. And so I want to challenge you. How are you speaking and thinking and looking at the facts in your life? Are you withholding even bringing to God the places that are not enough? Are you speaking and saying, I... I don't have this, I'm not this. What's coming out of your mouth? Or are you gonna choose to say, you know what, I don't feel like it's much. But in the hands of my God, it's more than enough. Are you choosing to claim the truth or speak into the facts? I wanna tell you something. Miracles and results are God's job. Have we forgotten that? I know I did. Miracles and results are God's job. Obedience and surrender are ours. We've got to bring him where we feel like it's not enough and let him work the miracle. The next one, I just want us to feel like where this woman is at. The next example, picture like sometimes we can disattach from people in scripture and we don't relate. I want you to relate to her because this is a woman who has served Jesus with her husband. And then she experiences incredible loss. Her husband passes away. And not only that, but she is broke. Happens a lot to people in ministry. I'm just saying, just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. So she's broke. Her husband had passed away. And now, anybody have kids in here? The debt, collector, debt collectors are coming to take her two boys to pay the debt. Put yourself in this woman's shoes. The facts about this situation doesn't look good, does it? It looks pretty bad. And so in 2 Kings, this is where we pick up this woman. And so she says, your servant, my husband, is dead. She's talking to Elijah. And you know he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And so Elijah responds and says, how can I help you? Check this out. Tell me, what do you have in your house. I love that he starts with what she already has, but look at her response and you tell me whether it's a dark plane or a light plane, the way she's looking at it. And I don't blame her. She says, your servant in reference to herself 
has nothing at all. She's got nothing left. She doesn't feel like she has anything left. She says, except a small jar of olive oil. Sometimes we get to places where we've experienced such loss, such disappointment. We feel so empty, so alone, that we discount the very avenue, the very thing God wants to work a miracle through. Let me tell you what happened next. He tells her to do something crazy. He, seriously, he's like, I'm paraphrasing. Go read it, go study it, it's powerful. He says, basically, go around and ask all your neighbors for their trash. Go dumpster diving and get the recyclables. He says, go and get the empty jars from your neighbors. Side note, sometimes we have to humble ourselves and ask other people for help. Sometimes we're just gonna have to ask for help. And you know what, another side note, it's not always gonna make sense what God asks us to do. She's like, this, these people are coming to take my boys and you want me to go around and ask people for their recyclables? It may not make sense what God is asking you to do. But let me tell us, we don't have to understand it to obey it. Whose job is the miracle? God's. We don't have to understand it to obey it. And so this is really cool, paraphrasing the rest of the story. She goes, she gets a bunch of jars, and remember the little oil that she said, I basically have nothing. She, it keeps pouring miraculously, and that day you could sell oil for a profit and pay off your debts. So guess what? The oil kept flowing until the very last, last jar that was brought was filled. God cannot fill what we do not bring do you hear me? God cannot fill what we do not bring and he cannot multiply what we do not release to the empty spaces, to the wasted spaces, to the lonely spaces, to all the spaces in our life. Bring them to God. He can fill them. The places you feel like are too far gone. The truth of the matter is it's not too late. You're not too far gone. He can fill it if you bring it to him. What do you need to offer up? What are the places you've been holding back, setting aside, not willing to go ask for help? We need to talk. Uh, we need to stop taking him out of the equation and stop looking at the facts and making excuses and start obeying him and stop speaking into what we don't have. Listen, I have been there. It's easy to focus on what we don't have and just start offering our almighty God what we do have and watch what he's gonna do with it. So listen, we've been talking about, you know, what we think and what we say and all of that. Now there's this one thing we're gonna talk on real quick and it affects all this stuff and it's how we feel. Ooh, who knows in here how we feel can mess you up? Like, you want to see a crazy person, it's uh, those of us who follow our feelings. So whoever said, follow your heart, did not read the Bible. Because the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? And the Bible also says in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 4.23, listen, above all else. That's pretty important if it starts with above all else. Guard your heart from for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do, we got to guard our heart, protect our mind because our actions and everything we do flows from it. Feelings can mess us up. And listen, if we have been in a situation of pain and disappointment and loss and trial, we've got to be careful because our perspective is not accurate. 
Our perspective has been blocked by a, a, basically a cloud of pain and we have to be careful and there will be a time, let me, let me just tell you, you may have been there already. There will be a time when everything you've once claimed, everything you think you believe or you do believe will be tested by everything you feel. When everything that you have held on to is stripped from you, there's going to be a time where you just straight have to choose. My God is still good, even though life is not good. There's going to be times where we have to say, you know what? I choose to trust in God's character over my doubts, over my lack of understanding in this situation, over disappointments. I've got to trust in God's miraculous power that he still has, even when I feel not enough or when I feel they're not enough. We've got to choose. Listen, it is okay to claim it when you don't feel it. Yeah, I had to wrestle with this. Is that fake? No, it's not fake. It's honoring to your God to choose it when you don't feel it. That he has the better vantage point over our present view. So I have a question though. What do you do when you can't quite get there? I know there's somebody in this room because I know God wanted me to share a time in my life one year ago when I was here. My vantage point was so messed up I could not see beyond my circumstances that I could not get there myself. Let me just be honest. I was like showing up for God. I love you, God. I'm choosing it, but I don't feel it. And I don't even know if I believe it. Not that I didn't believe in God, but I didn't believe that God would come through for me. You see, in that time, two years almost, it hasn't even been two years, but we, we left. It was like everything was stripped from me. And honestly, it was like all hell broke loose in my life. So many things happened. It wasn't just financial. It was the loss of so many things. If I could just sit down and share with you my heart, I was broken. I was broken. I could not see. And you talk about dark planes. Oh, my runway was full of them. I don't think there was one light plane left on my runway. Nicole, it'll never get better. I, I saw the sign out there that said the best is yet to come. Yeah, I used to hear that song and sing it and believe it. And then I got to this point in my life where I was like, I don't believe it anymore. For me, I don't believe it anymore. And this is what God showed me. What do we do in these times? God showed me this. Sometimes when we can't get there ourselves, we need others to speak the truth over us. And there was this woman, her and her husband were pastoring a church in Denver and uh, somebody knew I needed a friend from a mutual ministry connection. And they said, you guys gotta hook up. And so they had church planted eight years ago and they knew what it was like. They knew what we were going through. And I'll never forget this night. We were at Elevation, like worship night. They were there live leading us in worship. And everybody else is around and I used to help lead these worship songs and sing them and mean them and I was hearing all of these things and all I could do was repent God I'm so sorry that I don't believe this right now God I'm so sorry I want to get there like I I was literally the whole time repenting I am so sorry that my faith is struggling I'm so sorry and you know what my friend reached over she barely knew me and I, I'm telling you I have some funny stories ask me later the way she met me and like oh gosh I was a mess but she looked at me and and I was weeping 
And she said, Nicole, in my lowest place, in my most nothing place, she said, Nicole, I see gold in you. I see God's gold. I see the anointing. I don't see your situation. I don't see the brokenness. I see who God has called you to be. And you don't have to believe because I believe for you. And sometimes we need people in our life. It reminds me of this story in the Bible. It's such a beautiful story where there was a crippled man and he could not get to Jesus on his own. He was so crippled he couldn't get to Jesus. And there was four friends. And you know what? They weren't just like, you got this. Just try a little harder. Just pray a little harder. You know what they did? They got down in the mess. They picked him up. Come on, somebody. They picked him up. They couldn't get through the crowd to Jesus. So you know what they did? Instead of saying, well, we tried, they broke down the roof to bring him to Jesus. Somebody in this room, somebody in your life, somebody in your neighborhood, maybe somebody in your own home, your husband, your children, somebody is crippled right now by disappointments. Somebody is crippled by loss. Somebody is crippled and they cannot get to Jesus. Sisters, listen to me. If you are in a time of blessing in your life, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. But somebody next to you isn't, and they cannot get to Jesus. And I challenge you, they need you to get in their life, to pick them up, to tear the roof down so they can get to Jesus. This life is not just about us. So whether you're the one that needs to be carried to Jesus, or you're the one that needs somebody to carry to Jesus, guys, we need to speak the truth over each other. Now listen, as the band comes up, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of worship and reflection. But right now, I feel like part of the reason I am here to share a little bit of my brokenness. Listen, that was a year ago. A lot can happen in a year because I, even though I'm still in my process, my God has come through. And I was broken, I still am broken, but I am healing by God's grace and by his hand. And I'm here to tell you, so will you. Even when I doubted, even when I was unsure, my God and his goodness came through for me anyways. And can I tell you, he will come through for you too. It may look different, it sure looks different than I thought it would be, but the fact that I am here tonight, the fact that I'm here right now is a miracle. And God's not done with you. Sometimes brokenness, as painful as it is, I'm learning that it's a gift. Because if God can use what I had to go through, excuse me, to speak life and hope and healing and victory into you, then it was worth it. And that's what we're to be for one another. So right now, all over this place, if you want to stand, stand. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to sit and receive, I'm going to speak verses of life over you. And however you want to receive, you receive. This is between you and God. Or if you know a sister needs it, reach your hand out and pray over her. But right now, I want to speak some verses of life for some of you right now. Hebrews 10, 39 says this. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We don't shrink back, sisters. We fight back. 
Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things. Yes, that thing in your life that you don't think you can do. Through who? Christ, who gives you strength. Remember to demolish strongholds. Colossians 3, 12. As God's chosen people, sisters, you are chosen. Somebody out there needs to hear, you are chosen. I don't care what they say about you. They're not your God. They didn't inform you. You are chosen for this time, for this place, for this mission. You are chosen. You're holy. You're dearly loved. So clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you a victory. Let me tell you, this is true. What the enemy does use to harm you, our God can use for the good. Does somebody believe it in this place? It doesn't have to destroy you. First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Psalm 62, verse five. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. Where does our hope come from? My hope comes from God. Psalms 46, one through three. God is our refuge and our strength. Does somebody in here need strength tonight? He is, listen to me, He is your ever-present help. He is your ever-present help. Listen, I did not believe it a year ago that He was with me. I didn't feel it, but He was. It's a promise from Scripture. He is with you. He is for you. He is here to help you. The Lord is my helper. In Hebrews 13, 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You remember, we did not sign up in this life and this mission to please man. We are here to please God. So what can man do to me? Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? Listen, the next time the enemy comes at you with these lies, you respond back with this. If God is for us, who can be against us? We need to get rid of these dark planes and speak life into the situations of our life. Nothing is too hard for our God in Jeremiah. Nothing is impossible. I wanna speak this over you right now. Will you receive it? Isaiah 41. 10. Do not fear. What fear is holding you back in your life? Do not fear, for He is with you. Do not be dismayed. He is your God. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you with His righteous right hand. Our God is with you. He will strengthen you. Listen, right now, all over this place, I want you to make a decision tonight to put a gatekeeper in your mind and a guard over your heart. Your family's at stake, your marriage is at stake, your kids are at stake, your calling's at stake. It is time to fight back. It is time to take back the runway of our minds. It is time to say no more darkness. I'm gonna speak life. I'm gonna choose life. I am going to walk in life. So all over this place right now, we're gonna have a time of worship. And I'm going to be down here with the ministry team and we are going to be available to pray with you, to lift your burdens to the Lord, to speak life into one another. And like I said, sister, if you're fine, you go look for somebody who isn't and you speak life into them 
Would you worship? Would you respond? I'm gonna pray over you right now. Lord God, God, you know, you know the broken hearts in this room. You know the wasted, empty spaces that you wanna work a miracle through. God, I pray for miracles. I pray for breakthrough. God, I pray for a revived, renewed hope in this place, God, that legacies are changed because of the decisions tonight. I don't care how young you are in this room. God wants to do a move through you. I don't care how old you are in this room. God's not done yet. Father, break through, heal, restore, mend. I pray for the women in here that are struggling to offer you up again because offer up to you again the places where they don't wanna be disappointed again. I pray right now that every stronghold is broken. I pray that, that at the name of Jesus, they would bring it to you and you would do what only you can do. Lord, we bring you our loaves. We bring you our jar, empty jars and we say you are God. Do what you want. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, have your way.